I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Grow on the Go. Well, there's a printer going outside. There's a dog on the floor. Oh, there's tape sounds happening wow, now. stuff's happening. I don't know if you can hear it, but we're getting quite the soundscape. So please bear with us. <laughs> this is a home blanket fort. Yeah, blanket fort studio, office painting studio. Yeah. Sweat uh, box. Sweat box? Are sweat you a little warm hat. right now? I'm always sweating i'm sweating forever <laughs> okay i'm, I'm just no wonder that. i'm always dehydrated my goodness yeah well, are you not um it is a little warm in here and i warm. actually put a toss cushion very professionally over the heat rods right. so that we don't get furnace noises mm-hmm. so yeah it does get a little stuffy sorry yeah. about that we really we we really go all out with our professionalism and oh totally we are professional recording professionals. To the max. To the max, yes. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about passion tonight. Oh, uh, great. Today, whenever you're listening yeah. to this. What's happening? The price and the privilege of passion. Ooh, we um, love an alliteration. We do. But first, we're going to have a movie night tonight. We are. It's a Friday night in Calgary, and we're going to have a movie. Yeah, we're going to watch Encanto. Uh, or if you're not trying to speak Spanish, which I don't do, but I do try, um, in Canto, <laughs> which is a Disney, which is a Disney movie and done by the mentor that doesn't know he's mentoring me, Lin-Manuel Miranda. I just want him to, all I asked for, for my 30th birthday was for someone to get him to say that he's proud of me. It didn't happen, but I'm still holding out hope. Okay. Well, you know, this could be the day. Yeah. Hey, listener, if you somehow have an in with Lin-Manuel Miranda, (laughs) I just want him to be proud of me for literally anything. Or at least say it, even if he's really not. Yeah, even if he's not. I'd love love for him to mean it, but if he could also say it, that would be great. So I understand you've seen this movie. I have not. I've seen it a couple times, yeah. And you, one of the things you really love to do is watch with Dad and me things that you've already watched. Well, I love to watch things that I already watch anyway because I have anxiety and things that are familiar to me are comforting. Okay. But also, like, I it's just... funny. You love hearing your dad laugh. I love hearing dad laugh. Hearing, like, my dad's laugh is my happy place, um, which is a weird sentence, but it's true. Um, but I also know that you guys, you like a good Disney movie. You like you the do. musicals, especially. Yeah. Um, Dad loves a splashy dance scene for yeah, whatever the reason. Big production numbers, he's all over it. Mm-hmm. So I think you guys are gonna like it, and you guys also know, like, <sighs> Lin Manuel is just such an incredible lyricist. Mm-hmm. And you guys know how much I love that. And I think you would appreciate mm-hmm. that. We may have to put subtitles on because y'all are getting old. <laughs> you it moves really far. Yeah. I mean, I watch everything with subtitles. Yeah, I have, do you? I have sensory mm-hmm. processing issues. So, mm-hmm. And you, you have this too. I've, you've talked about it. But I hear it. But my brain doesn't catch what's happening I until know. a sentence later. And I'm I'm perpetually a sentence behind. behind. Yeah. So it's just easier if I have subtitles on. Okay. I can just keep up better. Because I'm not fully mm. looking at them. I'm glancing at them as I'm hearing it. And okay. so I just know what's that happening. Helps. Okay, yeah. well, we should do that then. 
Yeah, for sure. So Disney movies were a huge part of your childhood. Yeah, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I I was one of those Disney kids. My grandma used to say I started singing almost before I started talking. And I think I think Disney was a big part of that. I don't remember learning the lyrics to part of your world, but I've known them as long as I can remember. And your grandma would buy every Disney um, VHS VHS yeah. tape as soon as it was released. Yeah, she was awesome for you and Kendall. So she was awesome for several reasons. That's mm. not like the reason she was awesome. Yeah, but, but yeah. So that was a big. That was a big. Although I understand this. This one does not have a typical Disney princess in it. No, I mean they've been since Frozen. They have been wandering away from the typical Disney princess. Usually they're still kind of like a princess figure. Mm-hmm. Like Moana was a princess. A heroine. Um, Rhea was a princess. This one has like a female heroine, but there's no royalty involved. Okay. Um, it's just about oh, a. F- actually, Belle wasn't a princess. Either. No, but she became a princess, oh, right? She married a, yeah. a prince. Um, yeah. I mean, like Mulan was Cinderella. Mulan wasn't a princess, but like people kind of include her in that canon. Like mm-hmm. there are, like Esmeralda wasn't a princess. That's a whole different conversation. Um, but but um, the storytelling in Encanto is just it's very focused on family and it's set in Colombia and I work with a lady from Colombia and a lady from Venezuela which I didn't know this so um I'm clearly not up on my geography but um apparently Venezuela is right next to Colombia and culturally they're quite similar and I was talking to her about it and she was like I saw my family in that movie and I saw my home and my culture and it was so it was it was insane how accurate it was so it sounds like they've done that again this is coming from a venezuelan not from me the whitest lady in the world um apparently they did a pretty good job of capturing the culture which is really and i lovely. love that i love that they are branching out that there's They're been disney princesses trying. of a variety of different skin tones mm-hmm. and ethnicities and yeah, they're trying, and they're not getting it right every time. There was a little bit of frust, at least a little bit of frustration over Moana. I know. Oh really? Um, yeah, they did some things right. It sounds like they did some things pretty wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that all of the actors were, the voice actors mm-hmm. were um, Polynesian. Yeah, yeah, at least a good chunk of them. I don't know about all the singers, because mm-hmm. um, okay. like Chris Jackson, that guy who was in Hamilton. Who is in a show and has a silly name that you guys like? Oh he, wow! He he plays George Washington and has an incredible voice. Bald, half black. Oh guy. yeah, 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 yeah. He's in Bull, and his name in Bull is Chunk. That's what it is. Yeah, Chunk. But I have no idea what the actor's Chris name Jackson. is. Chris Jackson. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah, like he did a singing voice in in Moana. Oh, okay. Um, Lynn has this, I think, lovely habit of like. If he has a job, his friends have a job. Hmm. So he he tries to get his friends okay. involved in the things that cool. he's working on. Well, uh, so anyway, that uh, we that was a bit gonna, of a rabbit trail. Yeah. Well, sort of, because I would I do want to talk about another movie. Okay. Um, one of the most profound movies I've ever seen is Amazing Grace. Did you ever see it? We saw it in theaters together. Oh, were you with us? Oh yeah. So I must have gone twice then. Your the other daughter time, was also there. First time I I only remember being with dad, but maybe just because we were so awestruck mm. by it. Yeah, I remember seeing mm. it at West Hills for some reason. Okay, maybe it tells the story of William Wilberforce. If you haven't seen it, 
I don't mean you. I mean the I'm listeners. I was going to say, we've talked uh, about We just talked about recently. this. Um, and it talks about his tenacity in pursuing God's call in his life to end the slave trade in Great Britain. Mm -hmm. The film highlights his years of personal and political struggle to end a colossal intolerable injustice. There had to be so many times when he wanted to quit. Um, and the film really zeroes in on a time when his health was gone and his hope was gone. And at this critical fork in the road, he meets and marries a woman who inspires him to keep fighting. Eventually, after decades of struggle, Wilberforce finally succeeds in making the buying and selling of humans illegal. And I just remember leaving the theater, Randy and I were so moved, we, we couldn't even speak. Mm. And, and I think part of it is, for as long as I can remember, I've lived with an overwhelming passion to make a difference. I'm always so inspired by uh, the stories of people whose lives are lived so purposefully. And Wilberforce's story was, was certainly no exception. Mm -hmm. I, when I walked out, the, out of the theater, I wanted to yell, I want to free the slaves. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God, pick me. Oh, boy, there's some weird implications there. Well, but... okay, yes. But it, uh, my, the cry of my heart was, I want to change the world. Yeah. Right? And obviously, compared to the history-changing work of Wilberforce, the influence I have seems very small. But the thing that got impressed on me as we drove home from the theater that night deep in thought is that, in a sense, freeing slaves is exactly what God has called us all to do. Mm -hmm. And I realize it seems kind of self-aggrandizing to make that comparison, but slavery can be emotional and spiritual. There are actually many kinds of chains. And, I mean, I know you're, I, it seems you're going in a different direction, but it's also worth saying there are more people who are enslaved today than there ever have been in history. Yes. Slavery has not gone away. No. Um, it's just the institutionalized slavery. Well, the transatlantic slave, tra slave trade has been broken. Yeah. But yes, you're right. There, yeah. there Human are, trafficking and slavery mm, is, is, is alive and alive well. Alive and well. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um. I know that I was born and then born again mm -hmm. to help people live purposefully. I believe that's why I'm on this planet and helping to release people from the chains first of their own past and their shame by helping their place, place their helping them place their faith in Christ. Um, that's part of what I was born for, and then and then helping to free them of cultural and emotional chains that keep them from from fulfilling the the purpose that God created them for. So the chains that most people wear, at least in North America, are invisible. Mm -hmm. And until we experience true freedom, few of us realize that we're not free. Nelson Mandela uh, put this so well in his, his incredible book, um, his autobiography, actually, Long Walk to Freedom. He, he remembers how he had no reason to believe as a little boy growing up on the South African Transvaal that he wasn't free. It was only as a young man he began to realize that the freedom he thought he had had never truly existed. Mm -hmm. And that's when he began to really hunger for it. So I want to quote um, Nelson Mandela from, from his autobiography. He said, but then I slowly saw that not only was I not free, but the freedom of everyone who looked like I did 
it was this desire for the freedom of my people to live their lives with dignity and self-respect that animated my life, that transformed a frightened young man into a bold one, that drove a law-abiding attorney to become a criminal, that turned a family-loving man, family-loving husband into a man without a home, that forced a life-loving man to live like a monk. And I've had to cut parts of this out just for, for length, but... Um, he continues, it was during those long and lonely years that my hunger for the freedom of my own people became a hunger for the freedom of all people, white and black. I knew as well as I knew anything that the oppressor must be liberated just as surely as the oppressed. A man who takes away another man's freedom is a prisoner of hatred. He is locked behind the bars of prejudice and narrow-mindedness. The oppressed and the oppressor alike are robbed of their humanity. So it was that passion for freedom that Mandela had that was the driving force that made the 27-year separation from his family and the indignities of prison life endurable. It made possible his choice to forgive and embrace those who had attempted to rob him of his potential and rights and seek not revenge, but reconciliation. It was, it was the driving force of his life. So... Have you ever wondered why God has left us on this planet instead of whisking us away to heaven the moment we prayed the sinner's prayer? We're still here because God isn't finished with us yet. Mm. He has more to do in us, of course, but he also has more to do through us. We each have a specific job description beyond the general one for all Christians that in a few podcasts ago we talked about, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. There is something that we are each uniquely equipped for because of the way God has lovingly and intentionally created each of us and uniquely positioned each of us historically and geographically. The Bible tells us that the story of our lives is already written. In Psalm 139, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So your life, as recorded in God's book, isn't just a big blank page. Like William Wilberforce and Nelson Mandela, God has plans that hinge on you. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he had planned for us long ago. So nothing about your life is accidental. You were placed strategically by God in the country where you live at this particular period in history because that's where your life can make the biggest impact. In Acts 17, it says, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he designed the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. So I wasn't meant to free literal slaves, but there are things I was meant to do. There are things you were meant to do. What you're passionate about is a strong clue as to what that is. So the key to find what we were born to do is to discover the clarity and simplicity of what my brother-in-law, the brilliant Dr. Terry Young, calls the simple heart. What God intends for us to do is determined by who God created us to be. And when I understand the person I am, I get insight into the purpose I was created for. So there are five elements of our identity to explore, and they're very easily remembered because they form, you're going to love this, 
an acronym, <laughs> which is simple. So I have it written down, so I'm not going to forget this time. <laughs> Sometimes mm. mom has acronyms to help her remember things, and, and she then... remembers the acronym, but can't remember what the things, <laughs> things. It's yeah. one of my favorite things that I she does. I have a very old brain. <laughs> um, so S is for spiritual gifts. I is inborn talents. M is mission. P is personality. And LE is life experiences. So sort of a cheater's acronym, but, you know, it'll help us remember. Okay, so first of all, what are the spiritual gifts that God has entrusted to me? You might not even know what a spiritual gift is, but according to the Bible, every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. These gifts are special abilities that enable us, as part of the body of Christ, to serve the rest of the body and the world. Now, the gifts are as diverse as teaching, hospitality, mercy, and giving. And more comprehensive lists can be found in the book of Romans, the book of 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and 1 Peter. And if you if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, rather than, you know, you can certainly explore those, those books of the Bible, but I'd suggest you use an inventory tool designed to help you identify your spiritual gifts. And I like the one um, that you can find on the web seat at Willow Creek Community Church. Um, there's certainly the lots of seat? other ones. Did I say web seat? You said web seat. Oh, website. Okay. In a day. There's some, there's some really um, mm-hmm. kind of wacky, neat gifts as well, like acbalism and discernment and... Acbalism? What? That's one of mine, and I never remember what it is, but it's it's a thing. Okay, well, we're definitely looking that up when we're done recording okay. here. Right now, <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, and so those those are spiritual gifts. Um, and then secondly, ask what are my inborn talents? I is for inborn in the acronym symbol. Often we don't think of engaging the natural abilities that people maybe in our families or at our jobs value in us. We don't think about engaging those to advance advance God's mission. But in reality, all of our assets come from God. And he wants us to use everything that he's woven into us for the benefit of the world. So, you know, maybe just take a minute to either mentally or if you've got a piece of paper handy Take a minute to list some of your natural abilities, you know, whether they be athletic, musical, artistic, organizational, you know, promoting, cooking, whatever. How have you or how could you use those abilities to serve God by making a difference in the world? Have you found your definition yet? Yes. Um, Apparently, it's also occasionally known as exorcism, but the way actualism itself it's about recognizing and discerning the power of Christ versus okay. other spiritual forces. So normally that's translated discerning of spirits. Okay, so discernment and or discerning of spirits and ecbolism are the same thing. Okay. I have that. I knew I yes, you do. I believe that. And I learned something new today. It's so a, thank you for teaching me. Yeah, that. there Kendall has like <laughs> healing and, and tongues, like and they're, none are more valid or exciting no. than the others, but some of them are, like, cool, really interesting to read about. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wouldn't necessarily want tongues, because mm-hmm. then you got to, there's got to be an, it's a whole thing. But, um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Gifts. 
Well, moving right along. Moving then. right along. So we had did gifts. We did innate abilities. Now we're going to talk about mission. What is my sense of mission in life? So this question has to do with our motivation or our passion. We obviously feel deeply about some things and not about others. Kevin doesn't care at all about equal rights for women, just so you... Oh, not even a little bit. <laughs> that is the most sarcasm I've ever had. But also, let me just qualify. I care about equal mm -hmm. rights for, for everybody, yes, not just do. for women. Yes, you do. And that includes for... equal rights for men in parental court and yes, similar. All the things. Yes. Okay. So we care deeply about some things and not about others. And aren't you glad? Because if we cared equally about everything, we would blow up. <laughs> I would anyway. Oh, I, I do sometimes you, say you practically like blow up as it is. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes people are like, I'm surprised you're not like a vegetarian or vegan. I'm like, you know what? I I would love to care that much about livestock. I truly, genuinely would. But I, I don't have any more space in my bucket to care that much. Yeah. I I, I care too much about, about too many things. things. Yes, you are an empath, I believe. I think I am. Yeah. So um, our passion, what we care about, is, is God-given missional motivation that helps it's like an it's like an internal guidance system for mm -hmm. our lives to guide us toward what we should be involved with and then fourthly where does my personality suit me to suit assert me oh wow where does my personality best suit me to serve yeah. so p is is personality is the p in simple oh <laughs> wow so twice i have had surgery on my right foot um, at time, at the time, I didn't know it was illegal to drive with my left foot. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that either. It I've is, fully is, done that. It is illegal. And if you get in an accident, your insurance will be null and void. So mm, don't fair. do that anymore. Okay, I'll stop doing that. Um, but I didn't know that. So I just did what I had to do. And it was a bit jerky at first, but nobody died. So that was a good thing. If you've had a similar experience driving with your left foot or maybe having to sign your name with your non-dominant hand, mm -hmm. it's hard. It's frustrating. It takes longer. It feels awkward. And the results are not good. And the same is true when we try to serve God in an area that's out of character for us. So a number of years ago... Um, my husband, Randy, was on staff at a church that was going through some pretty rough times. And some of the conflicts centered around the children's ministry. And when the pastor overseeing that area resigned, most of the volunteers left as well. So as a result, pretty much the whole children's ministry department shut down. So, Kev, you were two years old at the time. Mm. I'm going to ask our listeners, have you ever had the joyous experience of sitting through church with a two-year-old with ADHD? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Jude's like two and a half. It and, would be, and he probably it's busy has ADHD. There's uh, a lot of wandering around. Yeah, yeah. So, needless to say, I wasn't getting anything out of the service, nor was I in any frame of mind to worship. And I decided that since neither God nor I were benefiting at all from my sitting through the service in any discernible way, I might as well take all the two-year-olds off their parents' hands so that some of them might participate in the service. Without a thought to my spiritual gifts, inborn abilities, mission, or personality, I began to prepare. I made all these cute little finger puppets to tell the Bible story to the children. Oh, I know. And when Sunday rolled around, I was kind of miffed that my little finger puppets, which took 
several hours to make held the children's attention for about a nanosecond. Yeah. <laughs> and so since the story didn't fill nearly as much time as I'd planned, I was relieved that the weather was good and so we could have a little we could go for a little walk. So I took my teenage helper who by the way was actually very little help. Um, and Shock. so took her with me to ride herd on the children. And I asked my husband, who I'd also drafted to help that Sunday, to stay in the room and set it up for the next activity. Well, as soon as we were out the door, a couple of tiny future CEOs took off across the parking lot and mm. running toward the busy street. Oh, good. Well, obviously, I'm terrified for their safety. So I took off after them. And the rest of the children apparently thought, oh, I guess we're all going for a run. And so there were the miniature Calgary stampede <laughs> was on across the parking lot. And my teenage helper was apparently oblivious to the whole catastrophe unfolding in front of us. Not knowing how else I would lasso the front runners and corral the others, I banged on the window of the classroom. We just vacated to get Randy's attention. As I raced by, I furiously gestured for him to come. Randy told me later that, judging from the panicked expression on my face, he wasn't sure if he should, like, jump through the window or if he had time to actually <laughs> to go around. the door. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all survived that morning, but when the class was over, I was a quivering mess. I was emotionally and physically exhausted, very near tears, and I've never taught a children's class again. <laughs> I've spoken to an audience of 7,000 adults, and it was far less intimidating for me than a class of 12 two-year-olds. I have learned the hard way to honor my personality. So our personalities incorporate aspects of our lives, like where do we fit on the continuum between introversion and extroversion? Do we prefer routine or variety? Honoring our personalities knows we we know means we know what energizes us mm -hmm. and what drains us. I remember so dad um runs a week of camp and uh he was looking for more counselors and I was trying to help. So I was like, if you need me, I can step into a cabin. And he's like, I think your gifting is elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're right. He's very astute. You're right. He it saved is. you. He it is. saved you. It is not a good fit. No. So the final thing in simple is life experiences. And our lives are the story of our experiences. We have spiritual experiences, times when we've really intensely sensed God's presence or pleasure. Um, we have educational experience, moments where, you know, our eyes are opened. Um, missional experiences where we know we are or are not where God wants us. And painful experiences, things like abuse and rejection and failure. Mercifully, God redeems our experiences. Mm -hmm. And uh, even the most horrible ones. And he does this when he uses us to help someone else. In the message, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5 reads like this. All praise to the Father and God of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. Your life will begin to align with the mission you were created for when you're using your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's passion in a way that best expresses your personality and experience. So before we go, I want to remind you to subscribe on your favorite app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Or, of course, you can listen anytime using the My Joy Radio app. Um, but that, of course, is it for us today on Grow On The Go. 
I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to grow on the go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.